Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. talking about live 10 today live 10 one more time and we're going to we're going to speak today on this subject you can grow everybody say you can grow everybody say i can grow now put your hand over your heart look up here and say pastor preach the word to me today let it touch my heart let it change my heart preach the word to me today let it touch my mind let it change my mind preach the word to me today let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. Now give the Lord a thunderous applause and you may be seated. You're awesome. Thank you. God bless. For four weeks we have been discussing the ten life. Jesus promised it in John 10 and 10. Understanding of 10 involves constantly moving up on a scale of fulfillment to the more and better life that we ever dreamed of. We must learn to say yes to possibility. It's an amazing thing that the first thing usually a child learns to say is no. And sometimes we have to train ourselves to start saying yes to possibility. We need to wake up to what God says is possible in our lives. We need to discover what we call our area of destiny and disciple and discipline ourselves and our imagination to dream the dreams that God has for us and not what we have for God. Each of us has to figure out in our own spiritual journey how that, how that can happen in our own lives. But regardless of our individual life context, all of us need to be working toward living life at its fullest, say fullest. I must connect to God's dreams for my world. He intended us to dream the dreams he placed in us in the beginning. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gifts that were within him. So evidently, there is something that is lying dormant dormant in a lot of our lives today. And so Paul is saying simply to Timothy, the dormant needs to be declared. Stir the gifts. Today, I speak that the bigger our dreams the deeper the foundation must be in our life. The bigger our dreams, the bigger the building, the bigger the process, the bigger the dreams, the deeper the foundation must be in our life. True and lasting success necessitates building a life infrastructure that will support the fulfillment of your dreams. And that infrastructure has to do with our spiritual formation. It has to do with the building of our character. Say amen to that. The shaping of our attitudes, say amen to that. The gaining of knowledge and the learning to apply all of this in our lives through a word called wisdom. And what lies beneath the surface of our lives provides the foundation for everything else in our lives. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says it this way, and I'll read it on the screen. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Say rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had a foundation on the rock. 
All right, the next verse says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Now watch this. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So the only difference, the only difference, the building supplies were the same from the ground up. The building supplies were the same. Probably bought them at the same Home Depot. Probably went to the same store to buy their, 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 their supplies. But one of them built on a rock and the other built on sand. And the house that's built on the rock stood and the house that was built on sand went down. Now, frankly, this discussion of digging a deep and a secure foundation in our lives isn't as exciting to me as talking about possibilities. I'd rather talk about possibilities. But when people view beautiful homes or impressive buildings, no one ever talks about the foundation. Nobody. We're not just that, we're just not that into concrete, you understand. Oh, I wonder what, oh my God, look at that beautiful wall. But I wonder what this concrete, I wonder what the foundation's like. No one usually asks, who poured the slab? When you go on these home visits in Austin, nobody said, wow, what a slab. My life. In fact, we don't notice the foundation until we see cracks in the walls or doors that won't close. Building a deep foundation is essential to having anything of enduring beauty in your life. Living a tin life necessitates being deep people who are secure in the infrastructure of their lives. At some point in your life, you have friends and influenced people on the basis of who you essentially are in the depths of your own being. And you cannot escape who you are. And I'll put it on the screen. We have to work on who we are before we can focus on what we do. We have to focus and work on who we are before we focus on what we do. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10 says, However, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Can I stop right here and say, I think it would be a wonderful thing if you could, some of you could walk right slap into the spirit of God in your life. I believe that everybody in this world needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their life to lead and guide them into all truth. And I am not going to draw back on that. I think spirit-filled living is the greatest life that you could ever live anywhere, any place, any time. No matter how dark the prison, no matter how deep the valley, no matter how wide the stream, no matter how bleak the night, when you have the presence of God with you, you are on the winning side. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. I believe that. I believe that. But Paul is saying, essentially, God has big plans. Say big plans. But his spirit must reveal them to you. They're mind-blowing, but his spirit must reveal them to you. They'll alter your life, but his spirit's got to reveal them to you. The rest of chapter 2 details how that through our relationship with the spirit of God, the things that are in the mind of God can be revealed in ways that are beyond human comprehension. Then he shifts into what the translator designated as chapter 3, but the same thought when he says, and I hate to read this, but this is Paul's words to the Corinthians. He said, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, oh God, not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And he said, you're still not ready. You still aren't ready. We spent several weeks making 
and thinking about possibilities that exist in the mind of God for our lives and our world. However, Paul said to the Corinthians, I can't talk to you about those things yet because you're not ready. You're too immature. You're still like infants. And he says, God's got these great big plans. He's got these great big ideas. He's got these great dreams. He said, but they won't come true in your life if you don't prepare yourself. One of the greatest writers that I read after, he's a tremendous, tremendous theologian. His name is Warren Wiersbe. And Warren Wiersbe has been in the ministry probably 50, 55 years now. He said the greatest problem, the number one problem with churches in America today is spiritual immaturity. He said the second greatest problem is immature Christian leadership. Here's what I want to tell you. A lot of times we hear people talking about having to learn to be patient with God, you know, like they're superheroes or something, and they started dreaming for something some time ago. They started praying for something some time ago. They started working for something some time ago, and it hadn't happened yet. And it's just like God is so fortunate because I'm developing patience with God because God's not helped me yet with my dream. What you don't know is that the one who really is having to learn patience is God <laughs> because he's got bigger dreams than you could ever imagine. Come on, somebody help me right now preach. He's got bigger dreams than you could ever imagine. And he's typically waiting for us as people of God to put things in place in our life that are necessary for him to give us the success that he dreams of for us. Remember the 10 life isn't about dreams we have for ourselves. It's about dreams that God has for us. And many times we can't give us, God can't give us even what he wants to give us because we are not prepared. So I go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 and 10. No eye has seen. No ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but he has revealed it to them by his spirit. So, I want to talk to you a little bit here today. I want to talk to you about growing. Everybody say grow. I want to talk to you about growing. I want to talk to you about growing. 1 Corinthians 2 says that I want to do things for you. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal things to us. But God is trying to get us ready. He's trying to take us out of this immaturity into a mature person, out of infants into a grown person and a, and a child of God. And Paul spends the rest of that letter to the Corinthians not talking about God's great plans, but talking about how the church and those individuals in that church need to get their act together. The possibility, he said, is there. But we're going to have to talk about that later because we've got to get some things going on in our life that are keeping God from doing what he wants to do in our life. Are you with me? It's a kind of a, it, 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 it kind of hits home. It kind of hits us right between the eyes. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. You can get ready because you can grow. I want you to, I want you to look up here and say, I can grow. I can grow. I'm not through growing. I'm not through fin I'm not finished. Come on. The day you're finished is the day God takes you home. Say, I'm not done. Come on, say, I'm not finished. I'm still growing. I'm still getting bigger. My mind's still enlarging. My heart's still getting bigger. My spirit's getting larger. Come on. Because I want to grow in God. Amen. I want to grow in God. I must get ready to receive. I must open my heart. I must open my mind. I must open my spirit. But here's the flip side of that. No excuses. The fix is not in. You're not ready, but guess what? You can get ready. You don't, have, you don't have a deep foundation as you should have, but you can dig that foundation. You can become more and more like Jesus. You can expand your knowledge. You can increase your intellect. You can teach 
you can teach your emotions some intelligence so you won't lose them all the time. You can learn how to live better, learn how to lead better. You can. You do not have to say, well, I guess that's just the way it is. You are not predestined to have a terrible temper the rest of your life. You're not predestined to fail at love or being a negative person or be financially destructive the rest of your life. God says, I can turn that around, but I've got to get you to working with me so that I can let my dreams get on you so you can grow bigger and do more for me than ever imagined in your life. Boy, I'm fixing to talk to you now. See, growing up is more than just showing up. You got to do something. A lot of people say, well, I've been coming to that church, you know, for a long, long time. There's something I need to tell you about that, and I will in a minute. But I love, I love what Hillary said. I love what Hillary, and when Hillary and Tenzing tried to climb Mount Everest, I love what he said, and, and, and this is going to be one of the things I'm going to talk about. I love what he said. After the second defeat, he looked at that great 29,000-foot mountain, and he said, Everest, Everest, I will be back. And I will climb you. He said, because you're as big as you're ever going to get. But I can grow. There are some mountains, there are some streams, there are some situations in life that we have looked at and been defeated on and said, you know what, I'm not going to try that again. But somebody needs to hear me say, Everest, I will be back. I'm coming back. Because you're as big as you're ever going to get. And between the time that I failed and the time that I'm going to succeed, I have grown in my life. Because God says, I want you to grow in my favor, in my grace, in my goodness. Come on, clap your hands and say, that's what I'm going to do. You know, biographies, biographies of people, biographies of people are, are unique because usually biographies start with famous, important people, they follow a common theme. Here's a common theme. Most biographies describe the person as the early part of their life as being less than and the later part of their life as being more than. But, but they grew. They got bigger and they, they succeeded in life. For instance, I don't know if you like him or loathe him, but Harry Truman is this guy that doesn't even go to college. He doesn't have a degree, but he's got this great interpersonal skill and he's the kind of homespun way about him that gains him popularity in a congressional district and he wins that district and all of a sudden he winds up, he ends up kind of surprised the most as vice president of Franklin Delano Roosevelt who was considered one of the greatest at, the, at, his, at his time and during his time and even now. And then Roosevelt dies and Harry Truman is president of the United States and a lot of people are saying, Lord, have mercy, we got Harry Truman. God, he don't even have a college degree. He, he, he don't know how to get in out the door. Now, here we sit in retrospect saying, wow, look at God's grace on the country. Harry Truman was president of the United States during the season after World War II in our country, and he was a very kind man and very personal with everybody that he met. We needed somebody like that to help heal our country. But here, here, here's the thing. What we saw in the beginning, what those people felt and how we feel on the other end is because from the time that he was that elected congressional man until the time he was president of the United States, 
Something grew inside that man. Something got bigger in him. And we see him as a hero today and somebody that led us. And even though Dewey ran against him in 48 and he held that paper in the Wells Hotel in Missouri, said Dewey defeats Truman. The next morning the news came that Truman had defeated Dewey. And the joy of it was that, that Truman thought that he had lost the race and he had really won the race. And we cheer him today. We applaud him today because he was a kind man. That's how biographies are. And I've looked at people in this audience and I've seen people in this audience and I could write stuff about you. I, I wrote just a, here's just a little thesis of something hypothesized that I just kind of put together. I met her when she was like 30. She had these crazy dreams. And when I heard her talk about these dreams, I kind of rolled my eyes because it was obvious to me that she was was not very mature as a person that hadn't fully thought through these things and wouldn't approach it very intelligently, dot, dot, dot. But I saw her the other day, and man, these dreams are coming true. Now she's like 45. It's amazing me how she has grown. Here's what I want to tell you. I want God to write a dream like that in your life. I want somebody to be able to write a biography like that in your life because I want you to understand God gives you dreams so you can grow. God gives you ability to grow and expand yourself in the kingdom of God. Come on, let's clap. Let's clap a little bit. Let's just rejoice over that. Come on, I can get bigger. I can get bigger. I can get greater. I can do more. I can achieve because God is able. So there's five things I want to give you. I want you to write these down. Put them on your refrigerator. Five things I want to give you. Number one, you've got to nurture a passion for learning. You've got you to want to learn. Oh, I've learned everything I can learn, dear Lord. You know doctors have to go get refreshed about every year. Do you know nurses have to do that? you know flight uh, pilots have to do that? Aren't you glad that pilots have to be refreshed? <laughs> Hello. Like that little old boy said, when I grow up, I want to be possible. The teacher asked him, what do you want to be, Johnny, when you grow up? He said, I want to be possible. She said, possible? You don't want to be a fireman or you don't want to be? I said, I don't want to be possible. I said, why? I said, because my mom always tells me I'm impossible. <laughs> I want to be possible. I want everybody here to be possible. I want you to be possible. Chuck Swindoll said it this way. He said, there's enormous difference between growing old in the Lord and growing up in him. One is automatic and requires no effort. You just age. But the other is never automatic or easy. It calls for personal discipline. Continual determination and spiritual desire. He said, churches are full of sleepy saints who merely are log in time in God's family. And he signed his name, Chuck Swindoll. Education should be a way of life preparing us to live the fullest extent of our potential. We must grow. <laughs> I told this story in first session. They didn't get it. I think y'all are quicker. <laughs> this guy went and bought a chess set at a, at a, at a store. Bought a chess set. And he walked up to the salesman and he said, sir, while you're rapping that, tell me how to play this game. You get it? You get it? You get it? He didn't buy a checker set. He bought a chess set. You can't explain how to play chess while the checker is checking you out. The point is you've got to start growing. There's some things that have to happen. Paul said, study to show yourself approved. That's five words I want you to never forget. Study to show yourself approved. The thing that I want to teach to you right now is that you need to intentionalize learning in your life. I don't care if you're 55. I don't care if you're 35. I think you need to dig again and start learning some more things about things in life. I think you ought to expand your mind, expand your spirit. Come on, expand your heart. You need to open up. You need to read the Word of God. You need to read other things also. You know what Dennis Waitley said? Dennis Waitley said, here's his definition of a loser. Dennis Waitley. The positive thinking man. said, a loser is a person who has the abundance of opportunity to learn, 
who has successful role models everywhere but chooses not to try. I read the other day, he said that only 10% of all Americans will ever buy or read a book. That means that 90% choose not to take advantage of the tremendous opportunities available to everyone in this country. Our libraries are crammed full with enough information for anyone to be an expert in anything. And yet people choose not to read. You know what? I love to read. I really do. I love to read. I enjoy reading. In fact, I look like a hoarder over by my bed, on my side of the bed, because I've got books. I've got books stacked up beside the nightstand. I've got books with bookends on the nightstand. And they, they, they kind of get top-heavy, and the bookends are not heavy enough to hold them. And so the lamp, I put the lamp against the books to hold them. And if I don't turn the lamp off just right and the lamp moves a little bit, then they fall, and I have to get, pick them back up again. But tonight before I go to bed, I will look at a book. I will read a chapter or two of something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn more. I'm going to put something more in my spirit. Now, everything that I read is not things that I want to read. You know, when I go on vacation, I love, I love detective novels. Ooh, I love them when them, those detectives get after those old boys. You know, I can read them books about that thick. I can read them. I can read one real fast. But I don't always get to read those. That's why I like vacation. <laughs> but teaching y'all and giving you the gospel every Sunday, I've got to read things sometimes I don't want to read. I really don't. I've got to find some new stuff. You know, I've been pastor 24 years. And somebody said, Pastor, I like the, fa- the fact that you bring freshness to the pulpit. You know why I bring freshness here? Because I'm studying because I'm reading, because I'm giving myself to reading. Let me tell you something. Readers lead. Readers are leaders. You hear me? Readers are leaders. And if you want to get better in life, if you want to get better in life, you need to start reading. You need to pick up something and say, well, this is not interesting at all. This does not suit my fancy. It doesn't do anything to my fantasy. It does not do anything to my life. It doesn't make me feel good. Read it. Because you're going to grow. Something's going to grow in you. Intentionalize learning in your life. Now, this is not preaching that's going to make you say hallelujah. But I'm telling you something. God wants you to build a foundation. He wants you to get to a place in your life where you can say yes when he says, I've got another place for you to go to. I'm going to step you outside the bounds of reason. You're going to go into this area. You're going to go into this area. One kid today got a scholarship to Columbia University from our church. And he said, Pastor, he walked up. Go ahead and clap. That's good. He's a good kid. He's going to Columbia in the fall. And he said, Pastor, he said, Pastor, I'm going to study science, but I'm going to minor in English because I'm going to write about people like you that inspired people like me to be more than I could ever dream possible. Thank you, Pastor. Hey, a high school senior got a hold of it today. I wish somebody would get a hold of this thing and say, I'm going to be a reader. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to open myself up to let God talk to me through reading the Word of God and reading things that help me, inspire me in the Word of God. So for 24 years, I've been teaching here, and every now and then, you've got to have something new. You know, you've got to bring something new to the table. And so I want to bring something new, so I must read. I must prepare. I must be intentional in my learning. Say amen to that. Number two, secondly, we need to become an expert on ourselves. You need to become an expert on yourself. You don't wake up every day as a, wake up one day as a smart person with a deep, healthy awareness of self. You have to work at it. You have to regularly take inventory of your soul. You have to learn to think introspectively. You have to understand what we feel and learn and why we feel that way. We have to be able to identify our strengths and weaknesses. We have to learn what we love and we have to know ourselves. There's a man in the Bible named Samson that really knew his strengths, but he failed at knowing his weaknesses. Man, he could pick up seven-ton gates of Gaza, but he couldn't, couldn't say no to a Philistine woman. 
He had some weaknesses, and he couldn't get past those, but he knew his strength. And so every time he'd get in trouble, he'd say, God, one more time, would you let me feel the power of God? And the power of God would come on me. He would break bands, and he would carry gates, and he would tie 300 foxes' tails together, and he would whip a whole army with the jawbone of a donkey, and he would just tear people up because he knew his strengths, but he didn't know his weaknesses. Because everybody in this building, you hear me, we have blind spots. Can I tell you I've got blind spots? Patty lets me know what they are. This morning, my son-in-law, I had another shirt on this morning for first service, and it was, a, it was just a plain blue shirt. And he said, Dad, is this is how you're going to go to church today? I said, yeah. He said, well, I, I think it looked better tucked in a tie. So I went back there and tucked it and tied it, put a tie on first service. He ain't here in this service. <laughs> we all got blind spots. I love my mentors. I love my peers. I've got an old pastor that's 85 years old. He'll call me. He's got Parkinson's so bad I can't really understand him. And he'll say, hey, you praying, boy? Huh. Yeah, I am, pastor. Well, I just felt like calling you and asking if you was praying because I don't want you to get blindsided by anybody. I want you to keep your life in order with God. I want you to do what God wants you to do. So, son, I'm watching you. I'm taking care of you. I love my mentors. I love Pastor Fender. I love Pastor Lyles. I love Pastor Leg. I love my brother-in-laws in Houston because they help me find my blind spots. You need a friend that's close enough to you to look at you and say, you know, you're not that good. You need a little help in this area. You need a little help in that area. We all have blind spots, but we need to understand that I can take inventory of myself and I can become a better person in God than I've ever been in my life and I can do it right now. Right now, I can get it done in my life. I can step into that zone right now. I can do it. So somebody said, Pastor, you mean to tell me that you have to work on things like that? Yeah. Can I tell you, I still work on being a better husband. I still work on being a better pastor. Every week, I work on loving you more. Every week, I work on understanding you more. Every week, I try to... I try to do better. I want to be the best grandpa you've ever seen in your life. I want to be the best grandpa. We kept our kids. We kept our kids this week while the young people went to Nicaragua. And we kept them for three days. Keith and Joyce kept them four days. They, they, they got the best. They, they got them four days. We just got them three. That's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair at all. I'm, I'm just as much a grandpa as Keith is. And my wife just as much a grandmother as Joyce is. But it's not fair. They got them four days. We got them three. But we'll make it up. We'll... we'll Say, I got to get better. I got to get better. <laughs> I just did that for y'all. I got to get better. I can't think like that. But anyhow, we, we, we kept those kids, and, and it was such a joy keeping those kids. But I thought, boy, I want these kids to grow up not only loving their parents. I want to grow up loving me. I want them to love me. I want to be the man that they can love. So how can I make these kids love me more? And the only answer I got was I got to love them more. Because they respond to what I give them. And I want to tell you something, Dad. Let me tell you something, families. Work on, you, work on yourself. If you're not being the best wife you can be, if you're not being the best husband you can be, if you're not being the best significant other you could be to somebody, why don't you try to do a little better? Come on, come on. Everybody's got some blind spots, and I'm trying to help you with them today. Come on, love a little deeper. Understand a little greater. Know that God is for you, and God wants to help you in every area of your life and say, I can get better myself. Amen. I can get better. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Number three, you need to become an expert in your area of destiny. 
in your area of destiny. Look at somebody beside you and say, are you a 10 or about a 3 or 4? Look at them. And say, it really doesn't matter. God loves a 4 as much as he loves a 10. But you ain't going to do as much as a 10 when you're a 4. So why don't you just go ahead and grow to a 10 today? Amen? Just say, this year, I'm going to grow to a 10. You've got to become an expert in your area of destiny. We talked about that before. You've got, to, you've got to become an expert at yourself without being self-obsessed, without thinking that our thing is the only thing. God did not call you to be a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. I read, about, I read a story about a baseball player years ago. His name was Burt Blylevin. He's before many of your time, but he was a great pitcher for the Minnesota Twins, had a great, great curveball and was a great pitcher and did great. But when he was nine years old, he walked up to his pastor and he said, Pastor, here's what I'm going to be when I grow up. I'm going to be a major league baseball player. And his pastor looked at him and he said, really, really? He said, yeah. He said, well, how are you going to do that? He said, well, sir, I'm going to throw the ball every day for the rest of my life. He said, I'm going to throw it at people who will catch it. If they don't catch it, I'm going to throw it at walls. I'm going to throw it at anything I can throw it at. But, Pastor, I'm going to grow up and be a pitcher. And you know what? He grew up and be a major league pitcher and was in the major leagues for a long, long time. But the very next paragraph I thought was very interesting. There was a woman who started taking care of babies years ago out in California. She started taking care of kids. And she decided that I'll just take in a few more kids and a few more kids and a few more kids and a few more. And before you know it, before you know it, she was the lady that started, started these daycare centers. She was the lady that began all the daycare centers of America. And everything became off of her idea of just loving children. So here's the thing. Love sports, love kids. Whatever your area of destiny is, grow in that area. Get big in that area. Say, well, you know, pastor, my job is not much. But grow in that area. If you're sweeping floors somewhere, be the best janitor you've ever been in your life. If you're putting walls up somewhere, be the best sheetrock man you've ever been in your life. If you're bricking something, be the best bricklayer you've ever been in your life. If you're laying floors, be the best floor man you've ever been in your life because you can grow in the area of your destiny. Just be the best. I went to the emergency room Friday a week ago and I was treated as well as I've ever been treated in my life by anybody, anywhere, anytime. A lady doctor, I don't want to use her name, and a nurse, don't want to use her name, took care of me, never knew me. And, 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 and the, the doctor walked in. She said, are you important? You're famous, aren't you? I said, no, ma'am. No, no, I'm not. She said, well, I think so. I think you are. And I thought, you know, she was asking me for my behalf. She was asking me on her behalf. She wanted to see how I thought about myself. She said, we're going to treat you as a VIP. It was her question, not my answer that mattered. And she took care of us. Last Friday, this last Friday, I sent her and that nurse Tiff treats. And I said, thank you. This is what, this is what it's supposed to be about in your area of destiny, taking care of people. This is what you do, doctor, and you do it better than anybody. You do it as good as anybody I've ever seen in an emergency room situation. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking care of me. And she called me back. She said, look, I thank you for the cookies, but how are you feeling? It wasn't about the cookies. I thought, my God, it wasn't about the cookies. It's about how I was feeling. I've never had an emergency room doctor call me three times and ask how I was feeling. But that's what I say. You know, I've got a buddy in this church. He's a mechanic, okay? And he is my lifesaver because the other day I put diesel, I put, I put 
premium gas in a diesel engine. You understand that? And the reason I did it was because I got interrupted. I got interrupted. I got out to pump the gas, and this couple that I had married come run to me. Oh, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson, we're so glad to see you. Oh, hug you. you, you, you we, we love you. So we got a six-month-old baby. We got to bring that baby by. You got to dedicate that baby. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just putting that regular, that premium gas right in that tank. I'm just a hugging. I'm just putting that gas in there. Started the car. It wouldn't run. But I called my buddy. Grady, I need a little help. What do I do, Grady? He told me what to do. I did it. The car is running. I didn't bring it today. I left it home because I'm mad at that car. Because <laughs> it didn't go to the right pump. <laughs> but that man is the best. He's just good at what he does. So what I'm trying to tell you, it don't matter what your vocation is. It doesn't matter where you are in life. Be the best. Come on, be the best. If you're an encourager of people, be the best encourager. If you're somebody that just helps people get along in life and helps elderly people, be the best elderly person helper that you've ever been in your life. Grow where God has planted you. Let your area of destiny, destiny be great and unlimited in your life because God has got something great for you in your life. Don't try to be somebody else. Be the best you can be for yourself. Wow. Wow. Number four, you got to pay attention to fellowship principles. In other words, everybody needs a friend. I've been teaching on friending. I started a series on friending. Here's what David Brooks said. We become who we are in conjunction with other people becoming who they are. In other words, if you hang around people that are growing, you're going to grow. If you hang around turkeys, you're going to become a turkey. <laughs> You hang around eagles, you'll become an eagle. You hang around champions, you'll become a champion. Hang around losers. I said it Wednesday night and I'll say it again. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's just the way it works. But Paul, I mean, uh, Luke said in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 42, said that day 3,000 took him at his word, took Peter at his word, and were baptized and were signed up. And they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. There's a Greek word called koinonia, which means house-to-house -house ministry. And these people just lived house-to-house, -house, just teaching the word and loving and eating meals together and just absolutely fellowshipping. And the church grew mightily. And hell couldn't stop the growth of the church because God was in the church. Here's what I want to tell you. There's something to be said about a church. Now, you listen. I hope this grabs you like it grabbed me this morning when I got up thinking about it. There's something about a church that has joy in it. There's something about a church that's full of happiness. There's something about a church that's full of people that smile a whole lot. There's something about a church that has people that care deeply about where you are in your walk with God. That are not nosy. There's a difference, but they care about where you are in God. There's something about people that will walk up and shake your hand and say, hey, we're glad to have you here today. There's something about people that a pastor will stand on that porch and not worry about what hole you came out of or what cesspool you crawled out of or what mansion you came out of. You're all welcome in the house of God. There's something about that. And you know what? I'm telling you, if you want to grow in a place... You need to hook up with CLC today and say, I have found a place where somebody will help me grow, where I can connect with people and I can connect with brothers and sisters that will help me grow in God and grow in grace. You need that. You need that in your life. Like that little boy that told his mama, he fell out of the bed for the 13th time. His mama came in there and put him back in bed and said, son, what is wrong? Why do you keep falling out of the bed? He said, mama, 
I guess I'm, I was too close to where I, pull, I, I got in the bed. I never got in the middle and said I just slept too close to where I got in. Some of us are like this with the church. You know, we put our foot in and say, well, I like that service. And so I might come back and put this other foot in and watch this one. I like that service. And, but sometime in your life, you've got to say, you know what? You know what? I'm tired of just putting my pinky in and my toe in. I'm ready to jump in. I'm ready to become consumed with this God thing because I know God is the answer to a lot of my problems. No, he's the answer to all of your problems. Why don't you just go ahead and jump in today? Come on, clap your hands all over the house and say, this is what I desire. There's something powerful about interpersonal relationships that can grow in the house of God. And I close today because I'm good at, I'm good at getting you out early and on time. That's the best part of me. The fifth thing, you've got to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You must learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, all of this digging a foundation stuff is really about getting in sync with God. And when you get in sync with God, it's almost like, pardon the expression, almost like you're dancing with God. It's almost like he's just leading you in a dance. And all oh, you step on his toes every now and then. You're dancing with God. And you don't care what anybody thinks. You don't care what anybody says. You just got this thing. It's you and Jesus. It's you and the Lord. Amen. And you're just having the time of your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to be too heavenly to not be any earthly good. But you're going you're to understand that this thing is about you and him. And that's what I'm trying to spur in your thoughts and your patterns today is to connect with him and get a hold of what he has to do. See, we have to work with God in a way that's really about cooperating with him. It's about putting ourselves in a position to receive the things he's trying to give us. And that's not earned. Everybody say it's not earned. It doesn't come through religious effort. It's not something that when you get done with it, we can stand up and say, look, I deserve this now. All the success I've had, I deserve it. No, ultimately, it's because of grace and grace alone. You understand that? But here's what, here's what Matthew said in my last scripture, and I'm going to tell you the greatest story I've ever told in the pulpit before. Matthew 11, 28 says, Are you tired? This is the Lord. Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He said, Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy on you or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let me tell you something. Religion is hard. Living for the Lord is easy. That's why we don't preach religion here. We preach the grace of God here. How many can honestly say if it wasn't for his grace, I wouldn't be here today? Come on. It's not about a church. How many would say if it's not for the mercy of God, I wouldn't be here? I'd be gone by now, but by His grace and by His mercy, I am here today. I'm 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 here today. His name is Charles Garfield, and he, and he, and he works out in the West Coast. and He crosses the Golden Gate Bridge twice a day. One of the greatest stories you'll ever hear in your life. And one day he, he pulled up to a toll booth and he heard music. He heard Michael Jackson music from, from somewhere. He thought, well, 
must be over here somewhere. Somebody's got their car windows rolled down. Somebody's got a, a, a convertible and the top's down. And somebody's playing Michael Jackson music. And, but when he, when he looked into the toll booth, he noticed that there was a young man in there just dancing like a fool, just dancing. Just dancing. I'm glad it's not on TV. Just, just dancing. Just dancing. This is my dance, Bill Cosby. Just dancing. So he looks at him and he said, what are you doing? And the young man said, I'm having a party. You're having a party? Yeah. Well, what? You're in a toll booth. He said, what about these other people? He said, they're not invited. It's my party. And, and Garfield wanted to stay and talk, but people started honking horns. And so he had to move on. He couldn't stay and talk. And he just drove him crazy until he, several days later, he went back and he, he found that young man and he went to his toll booth and nobody was behind him. So he said, I'm going to talk to him. He said, what are you doing? He said, oh, you're the man that came by the other day and asked me the same question, aren't you? He said, I told you, I'm having a party, man. I'm having a party. And nobody's on this, nobody on this block's invited. No other toll booth's invited. He said, what are you doing having a party? He said, because I like to dance. And he said, I'm studying dance in college. And he said, this is a great practice area. Because you see these toll booths, it's paying my way to get me out of this toll booth. And I'm going to practice while I'm here. Now watch this. And he said, you see all those other, you see all those other toll booths? He said, what does that look like to you, sir? And the man, Garfield, looked and he said, well, he said, it looks like Vertical caskets, doesn't it? Vertical caskets. He said, look at them. Look at them. They're just taking money and giving a ticket and taking money. And nobody's happy. He said, at 8.30 every day, they come in and they die. And at 4.30, when they leave, they're resurrected. But I decided, I decided that I was going to dance. Because he said, the toll booth is not my final destination. Ha! I'm going to dance someday. I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance someday. And Garfield wrote about it, and I read about it, and it's powerful. And the young man said, nobody's invited because nobody would want to come to my party. But here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't matter where you are, a three or four or five in your life. It don't matter. It don't matter how bad your job is. It doesn't matter how bad your family is. It doesn't matter how bad your kids are. It doesn't matter. You need to get a smile on your face and you need to dance in that vertical coffin and you need to say, I don't care what happens in my life. I'm going to plug into almighty God. I'm going to dream the dreams he has for me. I'm going to get out of this place and I'm going to improve myself. I'm going to get better and I'm going to grow and I'm going to dance someday. I'm going to do what I want to do because God is for me. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.